So this morning I'm speaking on obedience, and I've titled my message, Obedience is Not a Bad Word. Um, it's a word that our culture is not very comfortable with, but it is a word that we often see in Scripture. And I have been going on my own faith journey, learning about what obedience looks like in the journey that God has us on, and uh, He's been teaching me a lot of things, some good things and some not so good things. Well, they are good things, but they're hard things. So this morning, I just want to share what I have on my heart. But before I do that, I just wanted to thank um, the team uh, for letting me preach, for letting me share. Uh, I recognize there's so many incredible preaching gifts in this room. And so I really am honored to be able to bring what God has given me to bring. Uh, there have been a lot of um, things that I'm going to be talking on that have been touched on already, so much so that I kept leaning over to Steve and saying, they're saying what I'm going to say, and then, or she's saying what I'm going to say. Um, but God has something, he has an agenda, he has a, a plan, he has a purpose, and I said to him, Lord, if you open the door, I will be obedient and I will walk through it, even though I did uh, text Fred yesterday, partly because I was terrified, but partly because I really did, uh, well, actually all because I was terrified. <laughs> I was like, Fred, I'm sure there's other people who need this slot, but God opened this door. So I'm going to bring what I have and just trust that it will be encouraging to you. And so thank you. Thank you for allowing me to do this. I'm going to be sharing on what godly obedience looks like. So we'll take some examples from scripture, but then I'm also, like I said, going to share a little bit of my testimony and my story um, and share what God has been teaching me. And like I said, obedience can create a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling in us because it is counter-cultural. Um, as Eddie mentioned, and I think Mark touched on it as well, in our culture nowadays, there is no absolute truth. Everyone is afraid to say there is an absolute truth. But what that leads to is that there's nothing to hold ourselves to. There's nothing to be accountable for. And so there's nothing to obey. And we actually become our own God. I believe that this is a mindset that has crept into our Christian circles as well. I think our flesh in its natural state does not want to obey. It wants to do what it wants to do. And obedience requires accountability, which means we have to humble ourselves. It also requires sacrifice, and it requires surrender, something that is incredibly painful, especially when it is something that is close to your heart, and that has been what I have been working through. Often the hardest times to obey is when we want to control the outcome. Something so dear to us, so precious to us that we want to put our hands all over it and we want to make sure that God gives us the outcome that we want. And so to surrender that is painful. While I'm talking, I want you guys to be asking yourselves, and I'm sure that you already are after what uh, Wojciech and, and Kirsten, Kristen, Kirsten, in America we say Kirsten. So I, I, I'm all confused. But what you shared about, um, it triggered that sense of, God, what are you asking of us? How can we be obedient to what you're doing? But personally as well, 
I know there are men and women in this room who God is asking something specific of you. And I want that to be on the forefront of your minds as I continue to share. Some examples of how God asks us to obey, the scriptures are full of um, obedience. It's, it's full of it, but I mean, just mentioning it, his commandments, sexual purity and marriage, salvation, baptism, unity, that's just to name a few. And that is in the actual word of God. But then there's also the spoken word of God, the prophetic, the, the quiet whisper of God where he, he brings something before us and he says, I want you to obey me in this. So it's not only our walk with God as a Christian, out working daily what it requires of obedience to God and his word, but also that spoken word, that treasure, that gift that he gives us. And he says, this is what I need you to do. And I always say that God is not a God of mystery. Well, actually, he kind of is. But when he's speaking to us, He doesn't want to keep us in the dark. That's what I'm trying to say. So he doesn't want to just be like, oh, you figure it out. When God wants to accomplish something, he speaks. He shows us. He does things where he gets our attention. He doesn't want to keep us in the dark because ultimately what we're called to do is going to affect his people that he loves. So he's using us to outwork his plan and his purpose. So for him, He wants to reveal his heart to us. He wants to show us. He wants to speak. And we are all able to hear his voice. Without obedience, it is almost impossible to fulfill that faith journey. God wants our full trust and our full surrender. And that requires our obedience to him. There were specific things in our life, in our journey towards church planting, where God asked us to lay something down. Well, we we laid the journey down. We'd been trusting God for six or seven years to get into the States. We, We felt that he had called us. Every time we put foot in the States, we felt like, okay, this is... This is for us. We didn't really know the details, but we knew we were called. We prepared ourselves. We, we worked with people. We went to the United States. We did everything possible we could. We even went on a th- three-month church planting course, and we came back, and we outworked this journey with Alex and Michelle, and we came to them, and we were like, guys, we're ready. It's time. We're full of God's Word, his, we've had three months of prophetic words. We've had three months of just being under the word. We are so ready to go. But at that time, it was just the two of us on eldership, the two couples, and they asked us to lay it down for a year. And I'm not someone who easily gets angry at God. In fact, I don't think any of us are in a position to ever get angry with God. Who are we that we feel like we can get angry with God? But I did, and I'm ashamed, and for a few hours, I yelled, and I kicked my legs like I was having a tantrum, because I was like, Lord, everything you have done up to this moment has felt like it's going to be imminent, and we needed to lay it down, and the reason we needed to lay it down was because we couldn't serve faithfully with our whole hearts when we were living for something else. We had to surrender that dream. We had to surrender that and it was, it was like our baby, you know, we, we knew, we knew that it was going to happen. 
And we were working with a team, which is always good, because that year proved to be an incredibly powerful year of us learning what it meant to truly surrender and to serve faithfully, uh, serve a vision that wasn't ours, but faithfully serve a vision because that was where God had called us. And it was a crucial lesson for us. And like everything else, God did amazing things in our own hearts and dealt with a lot of things in our own hearts which were necessary before we moved. What does godly obedience look like? Who do we obey? And I just want to address those people in this room who have been victims of authority where you have been used and hurt. I know that it is incredibly hard to hear sometimes when someone you have looked up to or someone in authority has hurt you that you need to obey. I'm just going to say it like it is. I recognize that. But we are called to obey Jesus. And he is a faithful, kind, merciful, gracious God who loves us and says to us that when we do obey him, the Father loves us. John 14 verse 21 says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show them, sorry, I pushed the wrong button, and show myself to them. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own, they belong to the Father. Anyone who loves me will obey me, and when we obey him, the Father loves us. Obedience means dutiful and submissive compliance. And even as I say these words, I realize just how countercultural this concept is. But we have to remember one important difference we are not obeying an establishment. We are not obeying authorities or sets of truths that are abusive or removed or indifferent. We are obeying a king who set the ultimate example of obedience by dutifully and submissively dying on a cross for us. He loved his father and he loved us. His dutiful submission was initiated and completed because of love and relationship with his father and also because of the love and relationship his death would ensure with us. That is why he was obedient. And this is a good segue to my next point. Who do we obey? How do we obey, actually? (laughs) The first one was who we obey. How do we obey? We obey from a place of relationship. That's how Jesus obeyed, from a place of relationship. We obey from a place of trust that only comes from knowing the God we serve, truly knowing who it is we are obeying. And so it's not about what we are obeying, it's about who we are obeying. And that's why where there's been abused authority This is different. 
It's about Jesus. It's not about a removed establishment. It's about a king who set the ultimate example and who loves us. And when we know him, we can trust him because he proves himself faithful over and over and over and over again. And we have relationship with that king. The authority our obedience is dutifully submitted and directed to is to a loving, faithful, merciful, sacrificial, relational God. I'm going to say that again. The authority our obedience is dutifully submitted and directed to is a loving, faithful, merciful, sacrificial, relational God. And if our relationship with God is not at an intimate place, when he asks us to obey him, we will struggle. When our relationship with him is taking strain, our obedience can come from a place of striving and effort, which can lead to a misdirected anger at a God who never intended for you to follow him or follow his truth from a place of striving, but rather from a place of trust. When our relationship with him is taking strain, we don't fully trust him, we're not fully obedient to his instruction, and we may interfere and think that we can do it better. And honestly, guys, this just leads to circles of frustration where we like, God, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing what... You said you would do, but actually we're holding on to it so tightly, he can't do anything. He wants our surrender. He wants our trust. That is his ultimate goal in this. And so we know who we are obeying. We know how we should obey. Now, what do we obey? If Jesus is our Lord and Savior, then we are to obey and do what he says. Otherwise, we are our own Lord. I'm a Debian. Fred is a Fredian. And Steve is a Stevian. Not a Christian. <laughs> I came up with that. It was funny, eh? <laughs> I'm such a dork sometimes. I really am. <laughs> I'm a dorkian. James 1 verse 22 to 25 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks in the face, looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looked like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Michael Eaton compares two men's reaction to suffering and obedience in his book, Systematic Theology. The two men he's referring to is Job and a rabbi called Harold Kushner. Harold Kushner lost his son at the age of three, and we know Job lost everything. Job's reaction was to obey God's word, to stand on his promise and to trust him regardless of the circumstances. Kushner had a different reaction. And what he did 
was really sad, but I see it so much, especially in today's culture. He actually changed his conviction of God. And I'm going to read this quote. For Kushner, God is not, per- is not perfect. An imperfect world indicates an imperfect God. Kushner reckons that God would like to do better, but that there are limitations to his power. There are some things God does not control. Our misfortunes are none of his doing. Kushner says, I can worship a God who hates suffering but cannot eliminate it more easily than I can worship a God who chooses to make children suffer and die for whatever exalted reason. It seems that Kushner feels he has to shape his own picture of God that will make God more acceptable. And I have seen this time and time again. When people are faced with suffering or something they have to do that they don't like, they will excuse themselves or create a picture of God that is more comfortable for them to serve. And that is not what we are called to do. Krishna could not accept the truth that God was loving because he allowed his son to die. And so he created this image of God that made it more easy for him to understand. Our humanness can understand that, right? That's incredible suffering. It's pain. And sometimes that pain, we don't know what to do with it. We can't make sense of it. And so we create something that we can make sense of. But that's not what God asks us to do. Job held on to the truth because he trusted his father. And once again, we see that obedience comes from a relationship with God, not a set of rules, not authorities that we don't trust. God, who we know, who is faithful, merciful, and good. I mentioned earlier that this message came from a a place in my own journey where I have been learning what it looks like to trust God, to be obedient to his word, um, even when it has been hard. And uh, it involves one of my children. And uh, there's nothing closer to your heart than a faith journey involving one of your kids. And it's been really tough. But God asked me to take my hands off of this situation and to allow him to do it. It took me a really long time <laughs> to do it, but he, he has been gracious with me. I knew I had to obey him. I knew the obedience itself would be a catalyst to his word coming to pass. I just knew it. I knew it. I knew the moment I listened and took my hands off, he was going to do something, and he proved faithful. Jeremiah 7 verse 23 says, but I gave Then this command, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you that it may go well with you. And God has required obedience from us before. Some decisions have required more obedience than others in a sense or maybe easier to obey than others. And some situations were removed enough that our hearts weren't involved But this particular one is really close to my heart, and I'm so invested. I'm invested in the journey, and I'm invested in the outcome, and desperate to see the answer I desire. 
Obedience and faith are so closely linked because faith requires our full trust and surrender in God, offering, often requiring us to completely hand over whatever it is we are holding on to so tightly. Each time I tried to put my hands on this situation and tried to fix it, I could literally feel God lift his hand. I knew it, that I had overstepped, and of course there was absolutely no fruit to my attempt at trying to fix it. A few weeks ago, it finally hit home that I really wasn't the one who was going to fix this, and that I was disobeying God, essentially, over and over again, because I didn't fully trust Him with this precious promise and with the outcome that I wanted. When I took my hands off, not just in action, but in my heart, which, happen, which is where the trust essentially has to happen, God began to move, not in huge ways and not all at once, which is what I was really hoping for, but he began to move. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> no, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that he is at work and if you look and listen carefully, without trying to interfere, you can actually see the distinct ways the Holy Spirit is working. And it's beautiful. It's like a work of art, which doesn't happen all at once. I'm still on the journey. The outcome has not happened yet. I'm still believing for God to move. But I can tell you this. I've learned to take my hands off. And God may be speaking to you about some big faith areas. And faith, like I said, requires obedience. But without revelation of who you are obeying, it will be impossible. If you are obeying a faithful father, well, you are obeying a faithful father. And it might not work out exactly like you want, in the timing that you want, but you can trust him. He is a God who sets out to do what he needs to do. And his word doesn't return void. What is God asking of you today? It requires your full surrender and your trust. And we serve a sovereign God who is able to do it. I was talking to someone yesterday who's on a faith journey. And they were like, I don't know why I haven't heard anything yet. And I'm like, you know what? It's more about what God is doing in your life through this journey than it is about the fulfillment of the promise. God is sovereign. He can move in an instant. Then why, why does he make us wait? It's because of what he is doing in our hearts in that process. He wants our whole heart, our full surrender, our complete trust, and we are a stubborn people who don't believe that he will do it. And he will not relent, because that's ultimately what he is after, our whole heart. He can change something literally in an instant. Are you willing to let go completely and fully trust him? And that is my encouragement for you today. As you go from this place, even this afternoon when we leave this time back home, God is doing something in us. There may be big decisions, there may be small decisions, but he requires our obedience, which only comes with our trust. And so 
I encourage you today with that. I want to thank you again for hearing me out and for being here for this privilege and this honor.